And welcome to History Makers. I'm Matt Prater. Today we're speaking with Pastor Bruce Lindley. Now, Bruce uh, has been uh, planting churches all over the Gold Coast for the last uh, 20 or so years. Set Free Church uh, has been uh, his church, and he's now the Apostolic Oversight for HIM in Australia, Harvest International Ministries. And I'm really excited to talk to Bruce because uh, he ran a national prayer meeting at Homebush Stadium in 2004 called The Call. So we've got lots to talk about today, but let's go back to the beginning, Bruce. Uh, tell us a little bit about uh, what your family upbringing was like and how you became a Christian. Sure. Um, well, I, I didn't have any real Christian background at all. My family was a fairly typical um, post-Second World War family. Um, my dad was a, a person who could never, ever show any emotion or have an opportunity to express how he really felt. So I grew up with a hole in my heart, wanting very much to please my dad, but uh, finding no matter what I did, it didn't quite do that. So I had a real chip on my shoulder by the time I got to my mid-teens. I felt like I had something to prove the world. And tell me how you became a Christian. Was it at a church service or was it at a, a youth meeting? Or <laughs> Actually, it was quite unusual. It was uh, at university in the 70s, a very unusual place to become a Jesus freak, as they were called then. And uh, I just met some people um, at university who uh, I was very impressed with. Um, these people just had a lot of peace in their life. And, you know, I, I knew they were religious and in inverted commas, but um, I just couldn't get over what they had. And it slowly drew me um, to the point where I finally made a decision to, to become a Christian as well. And did many people notice? Did you get comments? Yeah, absolutely. Um, in fact, I was in my end of my second year at university and uh, I was in the party scene uh, in a very big way. I was known as Party Hard Bruce and um, <laughs> I was the life of the party. And so I had a, there was a dramatic change in my life and a dramatic change in how my friends saw me. The, uh, quite a few of them actually said, man, there's something different about you. What's happened? And so, you know, I wasn't a sad person. I um, wasn't a depressed person. It's just Jesus Christ came into my life and was real and transformed my life powerfully. And you started partying hard for Jesus then. <laughs> well, absolutely. I, it just changed my whole direction. I had a goal not to be a, to be a millionaire by the time I was 30 um, prior to that, and it just totally um, changed my perspective in terms of the goals for my life and was very much on fire for God, ra very radical in my Christianity. Okay, and I'm always curious to know what kind of careers people had before they became pastors and things. What did you do? What, what kind of work were you Well, I was actually doing a business degree. Um, I became a qualified accountant, um, worked for a big, very big um, accountancy firm, worldwide one, um, called PricewaterhouseCoopers. I absolutely hated it. <laughs> <laughs> Discovered very, very quickly. I actually took two weeks uh, working for them to realize that this really wasn't who I was. But from day one, had a real desire to serve God with my whole life, full time. So it set me on a journey, a completely different direction. But Matt, I've discovered this in life, nothing's wasted. And uh, that's amazing what that accountancy degree has done for me over the years in terms of opening doors. And tell me, what was the transition like from uh, you know working in, in that field to becoming a pastor? What did you do? Well, um, what I did was is that I went to Bible college for two years in North Queensland and uh, by that stage, I was really on that track of serving God full-time. I was very determined, actually, um, decided that, uh, unlike other people who went back and got secular jobs and worked in the church part-time, that I wasn't going to do that. And I didn't do that. I think I was just one of a handful of people in our year, of about 27 people that uh, that did, and I stepped into a full-time um, 
basically administrative assistant slash assistant pastor's position at our local charismatic Uniting Church. And then I know at one stage you ended up um, over in the States uh, at Fuller Seminary, which is one of the, the foremost theological colleges in the world. I've heard of many great men of God, you know, Peter Wagner and John Wimber, uh, Bruce Lindley, and all these great people that have been through there. Uh, tell me what that was like over in the States. It was quite a remarkable decision. I, I, I appreciate how we got there. It was a series of events. But I was encouraged to do theological um, cemetery, I mean seminary. And... Uh, <laughs> I said, well, fair enough, I want to do some more study. I'm very happy to do some formal training, especially in the area of church growth and leadership. And it was just the foremost church growth school in the world. And at the time, a guy called John Wimber, you're quite right in saying he was there, he was doing a, a, a class there called MC510, which was Signs and Wonders um, and Church Growth. And so that was a big attraction for me. And so we sold up everything and uh, with a very young family, including a brand-new baby um, in 1989, and moved to America to live. And then tell me about how Set Free Church at the Gold Coast started. Well, when we were in the States, I, I actually, it was very interesting. I've, I have a passion to see average, ordinary Australians come to Christ. And one of the things that I felt very strongly before I was a Christian was that the church was out of touch with, with society today. And I actually said to God before I became a Christian, I'm not going to do this unless this doesn't affect the way I live in a practical way. So the bottom line was that um, I was looking for a type of ministry that would really affect and, and reach out to the average uh, young person. And actually had a, had a funeral, a youth suicide at our church just before we went, and none of the young people would come into the church for the youth suicide f- service. And I remember going back into my office and thinking there must be a way to reach these kids. And so when we were in the States, we um, ventured a, a, across a ministry called Set Free in Anaheim, and it was the most exciting um, ministry that I've ever come across in terms of the ability to reach young people. Um, they used a lot of secular music, uh, rock and roll, hip-hop, um, breakdancing, and, you know, reggae, anything, absolutely anything. And I was seeing hundreds of people coming to Christ on a regular basis. So... It really attracted me. I loved the concept, and I realized that to be a good fisherman, you have to have the right bait. So we came back to Australia in the end of 92, and early 93, we began a church on the Gold Coast specifically to reach the average young person who wouldn't darken the door of a normal church. And you've got a, an incredible outreach to uh, you know the poor and the homeless and the needy on the Gold Coast. Tell me how that all started. Well, basically... Um, it was just people knocking on our office door saying, can you help me? And, uh, you know, one of the desires I have is not only do what I feel God's called me to, but uh, look for an opportunity and, and, and flow with that. And so we just had a number of people saying, you know, we're hungry, can you help? And uh, what started with a little barbecue in a car park with uh, 15 people, um, one lunchtime I put a sign up at Centrelink, basically. Now it's the stage where we're feeding up to 250 people a day, the day that we run the program. And we have a, a, a very huge, it's, it's actually a very large care ministry. I know there are other people in Brisbane doing that, etc. But we give away two to three tonnes of food a week. And um, we have accommodation programs, all the sort of stuff that's actually come out of just being aware of a need in the community and deciding to meet it. Tell me, um, you've recently uh, transitioned, you've handed over your church to a couple of young blokes and uh, you're now travelling around uh, speaking and uh, doing radio interviews, all sorts of stuff, uh, and you're now leading a movement called HIM. Tell us what that is. Well, if I can just quickly tell you the the, the background to all of this happening is that, you know, I, as I said right at the beginning, I, was, I had a father, a physical father, but I was fatherless. I had no idea how to be a good, uh, good father, let alone a good shepherd. And 
And it was at people's expense. And so if there's anybody out there listening who used to be in our church, I, I do apologize. The great news is that people grow and people change. And I, I discovered that um, God wanted me to stop looking for a father and become one. And that's just set me on an incredible journey of healing in my own heart, but also um, stepping into a new, something new in God where we have a, a sense now we're, we're part of an international network called Harvest International Ministries. My spiritual father, his name is Chayan, is in Pasadena, our church that we went to when we were living in America. And now it, it, we're part one of uh, 7,000 ministries and churches worldwide. Um, it's an apostolic network, and I say to people that it's flat, it's, it's not vertical, it's not hierarchical, it's based on relationship. And so we have the wonderful opportunity of being a part of an amazing um, new organization, a new wineskin, inverted commas, in this nation that is doing something uniquely different through relationship. And, uh, and we're seeing great blessing flow through that. So, and I get to lead it. How cool is that? I'm like far out. What a privilege. <laughs> and, uh, and what kind of events do you have? What, what do you do for HOA? Well, uh, one of the things we do do is we help facilitate and equip the body of Christ. Um, we put on, uh, you know, our goal is to have a, a training center um, where we can actually do things like uh, signs and wonders sort of uh, classes. Um, we bring in a lot of international speakers into the nation. Um, we help um, equip. Um, our members, uh, the churches that they have, the ministries that they have. We have marketplace people in our, in our organization. It's not just restricted to, to pastors. Um, we have missionaries. We have people who are in what we would call typically in the past secular mindset. But now we talk a lot about the, the mountains of culture and being influencers to transform that culture, emerging young leaders as well as spiritual fathers and mothers, not only in Australia but for the 42 nations of the Pacific Rim. All the activity we're seeing in the Pacific Rim um, in terms of earthquakes and volcanoes, we feel that there's a shaking happening in the spirit and that there's going to be an eruption uh, of God's power and presence with an awakening that's going to come not only to Australia but also to the nations of the Rim. And you're not new to doing these events. Uh, you know, one of the reasons why... Uh, you and I have been hanging out a lot recently is uh, talking about The Call. Uh, now, in 2004, you had over 6,000 people at Homebush Stadium. Uh, national church leaders, you had like 12 or 15 worship bands on the day. You had, you know, uh, an incredible, incredible uh, influence uh, of this nation on the day spiritually, you know. It wasn't just to get together and have a festival. It was a fast to pray uh, for this nation. Uh, tell us about the history of The Call. Um, Lou Engel in the state started it. Tell us about all that. Well, the amazing thing is, you know, nothing's wasted in life, and uh, us going to America was part of that. And the church that we happened to just happened to go to was um, a church that Lou Engel attended and Cheyenne. And uh, I became Lou Engel's prayer partner. We used to pray together each Monday morning. And out of Lou's life grew uh, an incredible passion um, for prayer. And he decided to reach the youth of the nation uh, with a, a prayer movement called The Call. And the first event was in Washington, D.C. in 2000, September 2000. And it had uh, uh, 400,000, that's right, 400,000 young people and parents attend. And, and The Call is based on two scriptures. In Joel chapter 2, it says um, to call a sacred assembly, that it's a fast. And it talks about um, setting yourself apart to pray on behalf of the nation. And the second scripture is in Malachi 4, 5 and 6. It talks about the fathers turning their hearts towards the children and the children to the fathers, that God would break a curse off a nation. And, and 
wherever the call's been held uh, around the world, it's now gone right around the world, uh, we've seen significant healing of relationships between fathers and children and also a, a shift even um, in the political climate and, and other things happening in terms of evil being exposed in, in nations and justice coming. So it's a day of prayer. It's 12 hours in length of prayer and of worship and fasting. It's nameless, faceless, so we don't advertise the bands that are coming, but we have world-class bands and very famous Australian uh, worship teams were, were with us in Sydney. And, uh, and we get on our face and we seek God for... Uh, the nation and the issues that affect young people in the nation, and in particular things like youth suicide, um, in particular things like eating disorders and, and lack of, of, of relationship, etc. So it's a fantastic concept and it's very, very powerful. And I know um, we won't go into too much detail, but I know I, uh, there was a couple of major events when this was held in Australia in 2004 that were basically you know, lined up that was you know, part of the fruit of the day. Tell us about that. Yeah, just really quickly... Um, a major pedophile ring was broken in our nation two days before the call. And you say, well, isn't that was before it happened? Well, actually, we're fasting. There was a, a large number of people fasting and praying for our nation um, leading up to that day. And as Lou Engel always says, you see the, the results of your prayers on the front page of, of the national newspapers. And that's exactly what happened. And then it was happened, just happened to be um, a week before the federal election that year. And uh, the people that won the election weren't supposed to. It was quite a dramatic shift that took place. And a lot of people subsequently said to me that they believed it was that day of prayer that moved things in our nation. You know, there might be people listening, Bruce, that are thinking, you know what, I've never actually fasted before. What do you do? How do you do it? Tell us a little bit about what, what you believe about fasting. Fasting actually sounds intimidating, but it's not. You know, the first time I fasted, I think I went a day um, uh, without food. Um, there's all sorts of fasts. In the Bible, it talks about Daniel fast, which basically means you only eat fruit and vegetables and you don't eat meat or sweets. Um, a lot of people do that sort of fast, and we encourage people occasionally to just miss a meal a day. And, and typically, when I'm really busy, I do that anyway. <laughs> um, that's not that hard. But, you know, I remember when I first started fasting that I originally went a day, and then the next time I tried it, I went three days and then five days. And so we never say to people, look, just go and do a huge fast. We always say it's like exercise. You've got to start small and work up. And what do you do when you fast? Is, is it, you know, do you, do you get on your face all day? Do you have a prayer list that you pray through? Like what, what are some practical things that people can do if they, if they want to try a fast, you know? Well, you know, there's some really good resource about it. You can try your local Christian bookstore. But um, the, the, the bottom line is, is that the time that you would normally spend eating, mm. we encourage people to pray. Mm, absolutely. So people do their normal workload, their students, they go to school, they go to university, they still do all of that, but the half an hour or whatever time you spend eating, that you would spend that time praying in that day. Yeah. yeah. And then more if you wish. And I know that there are so many breakthroughs and miracles that happen when you do fast. Our church in Brisbane, he did a fast a while back, and we saw so many people have, you know, blessings in their marriages or financial breakthroughs or just, you know, are dealing with their own sin in their own heart. It's a a consecration. It's setting apart yourself uh, for God. And, and, yeah, it's it's a very important principle. A lot of Christians don't actually know much about it. It's really really interesting, Matt, that Jesus actually said, when you fast, not if you fast. You go and read the Gospels. In Matthew and Luke, he says, when you pray, when you fast. And, uh, you know, a lot of Christians don't have what we call spiritual disciplines at all. And other religions leave us for shame in that area. And we say, well, we're under grace. But I tell you what, fasting works. And Mm. like you just said, I have seen significant shifts Mm. in my finances, in my relationships, Mm. um, in miracles, even physical things that I needed to change. And I think, to me, fasting is more about us aligning ourselves with God's will. 
Mm. Um, that mm. typically is what happens. Rather yeah. than God intervening, we the adjustment typically happens in us. Yeah. And we come in line with what God always intended and then the blessing flows. Yeah. Now, Bruce, there might be people listening that are thinking, you know what, this guy is full of passion, he's full of fire, he's got, he's got a great story, you know. There might be people that want to have that same relationship with God that you have. There might be those listening that aren't Christians. Would you speak to them about how they would have a relationship with God, how, how they'd become a Christian? I think the number one thing that people misunderstand about Christianity is that it's a relationship. You know, people say to me, are you religious? And I go, no, I'm not religious. And they surprised because I'm a pastor. And I say, I'm, I'm sorry. You know, maybe I'm religious to what I do when I get up in the morning or the type of food that I eat. But I try very hard to be in a situation where I say to people, Christianity is simple. It's all about loving God and loving people. But the only time I talked to God before I was a Christian was when I was in trouble or I really needed something like I wanted that relationship to be sorted out or something. And so I basically came to that place where I realized that I was in control of my life. So for me, the decision is always about a control decision, who you're going to allow to be in control. And if you come to that place where you're willing to allow God to take control, it has to be an invitation. He doesn't force himself on us. People say to me all the time, what has God ever done for me? Or why is there so much pain and suffering in the world? And it's because God has not given his right place. And so I would encourage you uh, listening tonight or today is, is to actually say to God a very simple prayer. We go into prison and we do all sorts of things. I always say the same thing. Before you go to sleep tonight, or you can do it right now while you're listening, God, if you're really there, like Bruce says, show me. Mm. And I believe and I, I know that he does. And Absolutely, he will. mate. Well, if people uh, want to respond to that and, uh, and follow up on what you've said today, uh, it's a couple of websites. Firstly, if they want to look at, find out about The Call, just go to thecall.com. Incredible video clips you'll see uh, of people all over the world uh, praying and fasting. Uh, then uh, what's the website for Harvest if people want to look up HIM in Australia? It's harvestim.org.au. But can I really encourage you, if you really want to become a Christian, if you go to our Set Free website, setfree.org.au, there's a, an icon on the front screen that says How to Know Jesus. And it's very simple. It's right there for you to click on. And... Uh, uh, step by step, you'll get the message. Good on you, Bruce. Well, mate, I really appreciate you uh, coming in today, and uh, I reckon you're a history maker. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, mate. If you'd like to download this interview, just go to www.historymakersradio.com. And also, you can make a donation if you'd like. I'm Matt Prater. Have a great week. History Makers.